And so Sunday afternoon, the Lord spoke very, very clearly to me, and he wants me to deal with John 13. John 13. And uh, we won't do that tonight, of course, but um, you know you know what the word synoptics mean? The synoptics? What does it mean, Trish? Okay. Yep, the synoptics. It's two Greek words. It means sin, S-U-N, or S-Y-N, and it means with. Optics means to see. And so when you say synoptics, you're saying seen together. And the synoptics are Matthew, Mark, and Luke because they're so close. It's like you're seeing all, uh, you know, all of it through those three lenses. John, he, he goes a very, very different path. Not at all like the synoptics. And so what's interesting is John says nothing of the words of institution. The words of institution. And he took a loaf of bread, he, gave, he broke it and gave thanks and said, this is my body which is for you. And then they took the cup, the cup, the cup after supper. It's a new word. It's a really cool word. Took the cup after supper, and he said, "This is the this uh, blood is the blood of the cup. This cup, take and drink of it all of you." Those are called the words of institution. Guess what? They're not in John's gospel. Why? I'd say I say the the Lord's supper is important, right? You'd think all four gospels would have it. John doesn't, and I think I know why. And I'm excited about sharing that with you on Sunday. Um, Bruce, are you a bit nippy, eh? <laughs> Where, where's the meat? I have, I have, and I'm, I am, I am burning up my, it's my metabolism. It's just so much faster than mine. We, you know, I'm just like a little honeybee and hum, hummingbird. I've got a parka in my office for tall people. If you, if you like that. <laughs> so, um, so Sunday, super excited, John 16. I have a hunch you're going to be challenged like you haven't been in a while. Please be there Sunday. Now, uh, after that, it's going to be Father's Day. And so uh, we'll dig into to what it means to be a dad and, and celebrate God as our father. And then after that, Christ esteem. Now, um, Anna Rose and Tricia, Christ esteem essentially is about how Jesus saw himself. Right. And which is a fascinating study. Uh, By the way, we heavily use the Gospel of John for that. John gives a lot of information on the inside of Jesus, like you're seeing it through his eyes. The synoptics don't necessarily give that position, but John does. So we'll dig into John's Gospel. And what does it mean to be a Christian? So it's it's very, very biblical and how that translates into our world. So. That's a big deal. Um, uh, Jay uh, Greeland and I have bantered about about this possibly being converted into a book. Uh, who knows? You know, um, we'll see. We'll see. But very, very important teaching. Excited about it. And so tonight, let's dig in. Let's look at James. And going to focus specifically on chapter one. And we're going to look at uh, focus really heavily on, on 19 to 21. So I want to begin by praying and asking the Lord's favor. Abba Father, thank you for the fact that you're in us and with us and you will never leave us or forsake us. So we're really not alone. Um, You're always with us. And that is a gift beyond words. Thank you for the promise that if your words abide in us and we abide in you and we take your words seriously, that you produce amazing fruit in us. 
so much so that we begin to ask the very things that you would ask your father about and you gladly give those things so teach us to know you love you with all of our hearts please open up our eyes and our hearts to to this uh, teaching in james so important in jesus name amen okay david for uh, you're online david can you test the speakers for us uh, yes, hey. I'm here. Can you hear Good. me? Yep, we've reconfigured things in the, in the worship center to maybe avoid some feedback. So, sounded great. All right. James chapter 1, 19 to 21. And that is the paragraph that's actually in the Greek text. You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves, doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if a man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. But once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. So, love this teaching. Okay, um, John one nineteen. So, let's look closely at this. I've broken some things out for you. Uh, notice this. Um, now, everyone must be, and then there's three concepts that he lies out for us. Uh, quick to hear. Quick to hear. Let's have a little fun in Greek. A little Greek won't hurt us. So, uh, Galen, you'll appreciate this, uh, as I do as well, because there's two medical terms here that we derive from cardiology that comes straight out of this, and Galen and I know a little bit about uh, cardiac issues. So let's be quick to hear, and that is takus. Takus, takus s, ta. Acuse, acoustics, be quick to hear. Tech, tacus, tachycardia, your tachometer on your car shows you how fast the, R, the RPMs are spinning. So, so tacus literally means speed, quickness. And in the medical world, tachycardia, it's a fast heart rate, okay? Um, my heart rate right now is not so good. Galen, I'm sitting here having fun. You should try it. This is fun. It really is. And I'm enjoying myself. And guess what my heart rate is? I'm sitting on a cool, smooth... Yeah, these Apple watches are so slow. We're sitting on 95 beats per minute. Now, you healthy people are, are probably down in your 60s, right? Maybe, maybe 68, Galen, 70, cool, 71, something like that. So I have what's called supraventricular tachycardia. I've got a fast heart rate, and my heart will kick out of gear. I might do something as just walk over and say hi to you. It'll spike to 160. And I've done nothing significant in terms of exertion. Uh, Galen, since I've started the Zyrtec, that has toned way down. That's what tachycardia 
It's all about a fast heart rate. Look at this. So be quick to hear. And then it says slow. Bradus. Bradus. What is bradycardia? It's drawn straight from that word. And that means a slow heartbeat. Okay. When you have bradycardia, it's slow. Straight out of the Greek New Testament. And uh, in medical terms, when you have bradycardia, your heart rate is at 50 or below. And that is not good. Okay. You need blankets and you get cold and things like that, Bruce. And so... And you need hot tea, Bruce. You should be drinking hot tea. So, all right. You get the idea of speed here? Quick, slow, you got it? All right. When it comes to human communication, we've got to be quick to hear. Now, I'm telling you, if there's a counseling principle in the book of James, right off the bat, there's one of them. Learn to listen. Learn the skill of listening. Uh, And then... (laughs) Learn the skill of not talking, okay? Um, I heard one of the great philosophers of life, I'm not sure, may have been Mark Twain, never miss a good opportunity to shut your mouth. It's basically what just, don't miss those great opportunities to shut your mouth. There's just something brilliant about not talking. Um, Proverbs says, where there are many words, transgressions unavoidable. The more you talk, the more you're going to end up sticking your foot right in your mouth. There's a point in which you've got to say less or absolutely nothing at all. All right. So let's dig in here. Let's look at some ways uh, we communicate. This is from John Powell, his book on why I'm afraid to tell you who I am. Jesuit priest. And he did not write these five levels of communication he grabbed them from someone. He, it's interesting, he gives no credit for these, but he's the one that made it popular. So we'll give the nod to John Powell. Um, uh, level five, cheapest form of communication. It means cliche. What's up, dog? Nothing. What do you know? Nothing. You're passing in the hallway, acknowledging a human, and you virtually said nothing. It is the minimum form of communication, all right? Level four, now we're going to report facts, typically about someone else or some issue. Sure is hot today. It's going to be a scorcher. Heat index at 103. It's safe information. It's about other people or about other things. Level four is a safe place. No risk. Very, very safe. Level three, my ideas and judgments sharing uh, what you think. Is it getting dangerous at this point? Why, Maddie, why? Opinions. Now we have opinions. And I go, Maddie, the greatest flavor in the world is chocolate. And you go, uh, no, it's vanilla. All of a sudden we get a problem. Okay, who's going to win, vanilla or chocolate? So when you, get, when you start to get your opinions out there, risk is involved. Uh, level two, feelings or emotions, sharing what you feel, getting really personal. Okay. And then level one is the complete disclosure of who you are. Can I get, tell you guys a secret? Most married couples don't go to level one. Too scary. Way too expensive. That kind of didn't happen hardly at all. Now, there are some friendships that are so deep and so trusting and so safe, they will go there. How long can you go to level one and stay down there? Long time? All day long? No. <laughs> we, got, we got laundry to do. We got to go to the store and get groceries. There's too much life to do. And so we will cycle through in a healthy, 
marriage relationship and a healthy best friend relationship, you will cycle through all those levels, maybe even a given day. And you may not even go to level one or level two. You'll keep it safe at at four and three because you've got so much to do, okay? Now, what is the one thing that's going to happen that's going to keep communication to those upper levels, particularly uh, particularly uh, five and four? What's, what, if this happens, it's going to guarantee it's going to push it up to the top. No, distrust. Keep going. Yeah, distrust. Anger. Anger. As soon as you blow up on your spouse or on your friend or on your child or your child or you or whoever it is, as soon as you blow up and say, you're an idiot. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. How could you even let that come out of your mouth? Oh, my gosh. You know, as soon as that happens... Guess what? We're coming up to find safer territory. We want the high ground, and we'll go cliche or nothing at all, or maybe pop down to four if we have to. Why? Because we want to survive. That's why. And nobody wants to take an emotional beating, right? So why drop down to two, share my heart with you, and I'm going to get my guts ripped out with, with your anger? No. No. It's a big deal. This is where we are in our lives with best friendships, church relationships, all of it. Really, really hard to go to level one. Guess what? You better have some Christ esteem if you're going to go to level one. (laughs) If you have spouse esteem, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because your spouse can break your heart quick. Your kids can. Your best friend can. When you've got Christ esteem, you have the ability to become vulnerable and not be devastated when somebody attacks you. If you do not have Christ esteem, you cannot handle threat. You're too fragile. You don't have the internal stuff to be able to handle criticism or uh, disagreement and things like that. So that's just a quick introduction on, on his material. Let's talk a little bit more about communication, maleness, femaleness. With maleness, um, uh, based on uh, the work at MIT and a whole lot of people who ain't from around here, folk, they did some research. Thank you. That's my home state. Uh, sex differences and network efficiency in the brain. And they have reported that women have greater overall cortical activity and connectivity than men. Guys, we already knew that, but there's some medical facts behind it. Women can think more efficiently at the cortical level. When you say cortex, you say the bark, the outer layer of the brain. Cortex is Latin uh, for bark, and it literally women can think more efficiently. Left hemisphere, right hemisphere, all the cortical levels, better than men. It is what it is. However, the Simon Brown Cohen at some little school uh, called Cambridge across the pond, he's, he's, his research and his team, women are more sensitive to facial expressions than men, okay? So you go to the women's Bible study group and there's 12 men, women in the group. One woman come in late, like Jay just did, scan the room, Jay, and know what's going on with every female in that room in about two seconds, reading every facial cue that, that's there. They pick up on it and they go, uh-huh, you've had a bad day, you... I have no idea. You, well, you've had a bad one. Wow, you're happy. Why are you so happy? And they just, and they're just, they got it. They pick it up. It is amazing. Women are better at decoding nonverbal communication. 
picking up on subtle nuances of tone, uh, voice, and facial expression, and judging character better than men. Judging character. Overall, male brains are literally wired to facilitate connectivity between perception and coordinated action. Uh, what Braun Cohen pushes there is that men are systematizers. We know how to take the lawnmower apart, or we hope we can. We know how to take the, the um, dryer apart. The wash. Oh, Bruce, you the man. We can take it apart, but because he's got the male brain, he can put it back together again, and it works. How cool is that, right? That's a Bruce brain. Be like Bruce. Learn to fix stuff, okay? Uh, but women, they can communicate between what is analytical and intuitive much more efficiently than males, okay? So when you're communicating... Now, by the way, this is on the average, right? For the most part, I can beat up most women, but occasionally a woman can beat me up, right? And for the most part, the average woman cannot tear uh, an engine apart on the car, but there are some women who are better mechanics than men. So for the most part, you get the idea, okay? All right, let's get real practical on communicating. So if we're going to apply some biblical wisdom here, uh, know what you need to say to your spouse or your friend or whoever it is. Uh, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The whole concept is be quiet and think. Engage brain before open door of mouth. Think. That's all that it means. A wise man, a righteous man, a righteous woman ponders how to think. Have you ever noticed, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not selling Elon Musk, but have you ever seen Elon in an interview? Notice, how it, and what's it like? He gets a question and what does he do? He's pondering. He doesn't shoot his mouth off and start babbling, fishing around like he's verbal processing, shooting off, you know, 500, 100,000 words or something, and then go, ah, oh, what I'm really trying to say. No, he's just quiet. And then say, yeah, yeah. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Jeremiah said, I'm going to set a guard at my mouth so that nothing comes out of it that, that's unhealthy. So... If you need to talk to whoever it is, know what you need to say. Figure it out. Figure it out. Uh, I told you guys about the Parmesan underwear story, right? Didn't I tell you about that? Bruce, it's an underwear story. I mean, what could go, what could go wrong, Bruce? What could go wrong? True story. And my blessed wife has put up with me for 41-something years, 43 years, 44 years, actually, if you do dating. You know, we're at Olive Garden and it's that moment when they finally bring the food out and that person says, would you like some Parmesan? And, and Lisa, Lisa goes, well, sure. And so he's grinding and grinding and she goes, when? And then goes right over to mine and he wants it too and grinds it. And finally, this is after what, 30 years of marriage? Hello? Yeah, 25, 30. 25, 30. I go, hey babe, there's something I need to tell you. And we're gonna practice this, okay? Cause I need to practice what I preach, right? So I go, uh, I don't like Parmesan. And of course, she's been ordering Parmesan for me for 25 years, you know. And so she goes, okay. OK. 
okay? And then she says, can I tell you something? And I go, sure, babe. I hate turning your underwear right side out. Would you please turn your underwear right side out? And, you know, and that's one of those tender moments in a marriage when it just comes together and you realize this is what we've been holding back on. Doesn't it make you feel good, Bruce? There are other people who struggle with underwear. It's, yes, it's amazing. So, all right. Know what to say. Know when to say it. Like apple, apples of gold in a setting of silver is a word spoken at the right time. Wow. There's a time to speak up. There's a time to be quiet. A man, a woman, has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. Um, <clears throat> I did something. Okay. I'm going to wrap myself out here. And boy, it's all on, on tape here. Um, I have an app. Well, I did a little experiment. I'm going to wrap myself out here, okay? I did an experiment last week. And I said, I'm not going to text anybody any scripture. I'm not going to do it. And I love doing that because uh, it's a way of... Uh, literally of my showing that I love you, I care for you, and that you're on my mind. I'm thinking about you. And um, so I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to wait to see if anybody has me on their mind. And who's going to think of me? Whether they're going to say, hey, Chris, just just got you on my mind. Want to let you know I'm praying for you or, you know, love you, whatever. Or uh, how can I pray for you? Two days of silence, nothing. <laughs> and then a guy that I love, man, he is my soulmate, guy, cool guy. And uh, James, uh, uh, James, Jay, do you know who Dylan Thomas is as a writer, poet? Yeah. So he wrote a poem, a poem called Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Has anybody heard it, Bruce? Yeah. It's amazing. Basically, it says, tackle life, grab life by the horns, go kicking and screaming to, to, to death when you die. Don't go passively. Grab life by the throat. You know, go for it. It's, do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at the close of day. Don't give up on life. And, and it's interesting that that came at, in my little test. Yeah. Come on, Lord, just what you got? You know, what are you going to say? And, and it, was a, it was a beautiful Thank you. It was a beautiful moment, and, uh, I, and I really thanked um, thank God for what, how John encouraged me. Now, don't misunderstand me. I've got Christ esteem. I'm fine. I just thought it would be fun to see who ha what happens. You know, it's kind of interesting. All right. A man has joined an apt answer. Boy, and I got one. It was good. felt good. And he and I chatted it up. So, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. There comes a time, you know, if I uh, uh, come through the door, and Lisa has been with wonderful screaming babies, the precious ones that scream a lot, you know, they're wonderful. And they always need diaper changes, and she's, she's a bit worn out for just the chaos of what's going on with a house full of grandbabies. And uh, I just have to look at her and go like, we need a date. We need to get out of the house, you know, so we do. And 
you know, a wise man, a wise woman holds it back. Um, talk when the forebrain is online. That's a really big deal. Uh, what we know neurologically, and I, this may be redundant for many of you, that when we get angry, the zones of the brain that manage speech actually go offline. You become so mad you can't talk. And that is because the outer cortex, the neocortex, is powering down and your central brain, the limbic system, is powering on because you are now in fight, flight, freeze, or appease mode, and there's no time to talk. You can't. And so you're trying to regulate your teenager, and you demand that they answer you, and they're going, ah, and all they can do is growl and grunt and scream, and which makes you mad, and, and, and you're basically growling, grunting, and screaming too because you can't get the words out because your cortex is offline. Don't talk when you're mad. How's that? Is that? Can I say less? Don't talk when you're mad. Don't. Be quiet. All right. A few more. Uh, learn to say what you mean and mean what you say when you finally figure out what you got to say. Know the difference between what is factual, what is emotional, perceived, or imagined. Okay? There's a big difference. And if someone is talking to you on an emotional level, understand that. Okay, don't shame anybody for having emotions. Um, talk through it. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stirs up anger. Proverbs 25, I love it, 425. Um, Ephesians. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all uh, falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, because we are all parts of one another. It sounds like a church thing, doesn't it? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only a word uh, as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Colossians 4, conduct yourselves with wisdom. Make the most of the opportunity. Let your speech be seasoned with grace, like salt. Okay. Practice saying what you mean in as few words as possible. Where there are many words, or when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5? Matthew 5.37. It's about vowing. He said, you have heard it. What's that, dear? Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Exactly. Don't make vows and get tangled up with vows. He said, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Say as little as possible. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the fool, his mouth will spout folly. All right. We're almost done. Learn to speak I, me, and we, us, and not just you, you. <laughs> what do you think that means? I, me, and we, us, not just you, you. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody when all they can do is say the word you? You do this. You do that. It's you. Why do you do that? I don't understand you. You, 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 you. That communication, well, it's not communication. Uh, that's a weapon, actually using it. It should be, hey, here's what's going on in me. Here's how it relates to us. Let's talk about it. That's what you should do, okay? Um, stop the use of absolutes. You always, you never. I always, I never. Uh, when someone, why do we use absolutes, by the way? 
Remember that? Are we speaking factually, emotionally, out of perception, or what is imagined? Why do we use absolutes, Trish? What do you think? I always, you never, you always, I never. Blame? Emotion? Anything else? What's that? Perception, yeah. A lot of times it's because of emotions, Sloan. We got a little bit of hurt, little hurt feelings going on, you know. And, and so when we spin it, we spin it with an exaggeration because we think it's giving our feelings power. We're, gain, we're trying to gain authority using an absolute. We're forcing facts to where they really don't need to go. Fact is, I'm really mad at you because I asked you to do this and you didn't do it. You never do what I ask you to do. You always ignore me, right? No. <laughs> what should be said is, you know what? You didn't do what I asked when it came to fixing the doorknob, whatever. That's what you say. You just, that's what you should say. You didn't fix the doorknob, and I've asked you four times, and I'm really mad at you. That's what you should say. Not, you never do anything, you know, which is going to make the husband mad and say, never? Oh, really? What about, and then he's going to make, then the, here comes the list of all the ways he's done for her. Flip it around. It doesn't matter. It's marriage, kids, friends. It doesn't matter. You, when you weaponize and use absolutes, there's typically emotions and hurt feelings behind it, driving it. And those intense emotions create blame, shame, all kinds of stuff. Uh, stop in manipulating and leveraging history. Bringing up the past. Yeah. Stop weaponizing shame and blame. Yep. All right. Let's dig back in. Let's say um, you guys are going to take what I'm giving you tonight. You're going to really do it. So Bruce and Janice, amazing people. Bruce and Janice. What's that? Go back. Okay. Um, it may take. Uh, no, no, no. It's okay. That one. Something about the garage, isn't it? That and underwear. You. <laughs> it just goes on and on. And then she will try to interject and go, yeah, but, you know, you, and I'm going, no, no, you have had every opportunity in the world. This is your house. To talk, to talk All about of it. my faults. Right now I'm talking about yours. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's my deflection, you know, so and I, and I just had to apologize again because that's really stupid. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So let's say we're going to practice, right? And, and, and let's say we're going to talk about what, what's the best flavor. Is it vanilla or is it chocolate? You know, whatever the deal is. Okay. So um, how do you do it? Well, number one, uh, person A. It's cycle one is about person A. So in this instance, it's going to be about Janice. Janice, this is your time to shine. And so person A says... She's going to say what she means in as few words as possible. Bruce, I'm sick of hearing about the garage. Done. Two seconds. 
Person B, Bruce says, let me repeat what I just heard and request confirmation of understanding. So what you're saying is that you hate talking about the garage. And she goes, that is correct. Great. You passed cycle one. Cycle two. You mean we're done already? Oh, it's, <laughs> this is amazing how this works. Wow. This is life-changing stuff, Bruce. And so now it's Bruce's turn. So he's going to respond in kind, and he's going to mean what he wants to say, and he's going to do it with his few words. And he goes, I'm really tired of you controlling every square inch of the house, which includes the garage. And Janet says, so what you're saying is you think I control every square inch of the house, which includes the garage. And Bruce goes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. All right, and and cycle three is <laughs> repeat that <laughs> to make sure you get down to the root of what's going on. There's no such thing. It's just it's the crazy train, and you can't get off. And it is what it is. I'm just I'm just kidding. There's hope. I promise. You got it. You got to go through it again and again. Why? Because do you guys think the problem's the garage? No. Not at all. Right now. That's just the easy target. That's the point of leverage because there's something else going on. It's Parmesan people. It always is that stuff. Just kidding. Get to the root of the problem, what the real thing is, holding the underwear. So you do this enough, and Janice is going to say, Bruce, what are you, nuts? No. It's not about the garage. Why do you think it's about the garage? And Bruce says, let me see if I understand what you're saying. <laughs> and that loops around, and then it's his turn. Then all of a sudden, one of them breaks and cracks, and they go, do you have any idea how I feel like you have virtually no respect for me? Ah. Now, you just went down to about level two. And you go, what do you mean by that? I'm saying... You treat me like I'm a doormat. Ah, now we're getting at it. Okay. And the Holy Spirit works in, and man, it's beautiful, which leads to this understanding, repairing, and resolving the damage, which means you guys are cycling through the giving and receiving of forgiveness. And you're learning to adapt. And you learn to resolve the problem and wow talk about an exciting 2.0 to the marriage or the parent-child relationship it applies to all people does this make sense okay really really important all right i believe with all of my heart if we could work through those four cycles we are literally practicing the wisdom of what James is teaching us. Be really, really quick, like RPMs, redline it out on listening. Hurry, listen. Listen means I'm not tracking with you. Can you say that again? Uh-huh, you saying this? Yeah. And it's called active listening. Get it and get it right. If they speak emotionally, so meet them emotionally. Work out, draw out the facts, draw out the feelings, draw out the perceptions. Listen. Listen to understand, not correct. 
Have you ever, have you ever talk, tried to talk to somebody and they don't, they don't honor the cycles I gave you guys? They get it out there like, why, does, why do you have to control the garage? They say that. Why do I have to control the garage? Or, why do I have to control the parmesan? Something silly, right? And instead of, instead of saying, you know what, I, or let me try to understand what you're saying about parmesan or whatever, instead of trying to get into that to understand it, they're already loading the gun because they've got their response. And it's like nobody's listening and everybody is getting ready to reload and fire the next round to outdo the, the person. So you can throw the most facts out there and create the most pain. That is not communication. That's anger. And a fool utters all their mind. Not good. When we listen to understand, beautiful things happen. Do you know, this is one of the greatest gifts God has given us. Do you understand that? It's one of the greatest gifts that God has given human beings to have intellectual intimacy, to truly be known and understood and to give that gift to somebody else. It is huge. It's an amazing gift. Um, let's, let's focus on 20 for just a minute. We'll, we'll wrap it up. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Let's push it on, on Bruce and Janice and the garage story. Let's say Bruce is, I know it's, it's impossible, but we're just going to roll with it. Let's just say Bruce is a little bit right. I know it's not true, but let's just go with it. So that Janice really does have some things in the garage, quite frankly, that don't need to be there, and they really do need to go to Goodwill or the dumpster. And it's true. There's some wasted space out there, and Bruce sees it, and, you know, okay. But how does Bruce go about motivating Janice to do the right thing, Janice? Can we not do the right thing, babe? Huh? Anger. <laughs> Anger. Anger. Yeah, if <laughs> it's getting hot in here, people. Bruce is going to throw that blanket off. So, what's the deal? By this time, the dog has come into the garage and like barked 47 times. And so, like, you're forgetting the dog part of the cycle. <laughs> and by the way, there's always a kid that interrupts. <laughs> But here, here's the deal. The, the stinger is that Bruce is right. He's right, but just a little bit right, but just enough to think that he is absolutely justified in anger. And so he is shredding poor Janice in anger, thinking, ah, that's the best way to motivate her to get those stupid, and that's what they're called, the stupid boxes out of the garage to Goodwill or someplace, right? And James says, no. The anger of Bruce does not accomplish the righteousness of God. He's hard. It's like James and First John. Those two guys, you're in or out. Or, or me getting mad at Lisa in our garage story. Who, can I just say it plainly? Who do I think I am? I am not Moses on Mount, Mount Sinai. Or to really get to the root of it, I'm not God. And I don't have divine authority to get angry thinking anger is the best motivator, which is what it gets down to. It's a control issue. Yes. Jeff. Hey. <laughs> so, 
Jay, how did that make you feel? What do you think he was really saying? You want to repeat back to me? So what are you saying? What, I'm, what I want to know is what you, what's the problem with Parmesan? No. <laughs> well, here's the deal. So Andrea, here's the deal. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing like a few words. You know, Proverbs says a soft word can break a bone. Snap. Thank you, Andrea. Very good. Okay, so let's talk Parmesan. After 25 years of conditioning, when I finally got some power, at, at Garden Olive, I could say, no, thank you, no Parmesan for me. And I felt so manly doing that. After 25, 26 years, I, you know what, I, Jay, I guess I kind of like Parmesan. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, when, you know. So now I do Parmesan. And yes, I did, I did turn it right side out for a long time. <laughs> And she still controls the garage. So it's even. We're even. Do you know how hard it is to be me? It is so hard. By the way, here's the, fun, here's the deal. Underwear can be cleaned inside out or wrong side out. Doesn't matter. They're still cleaned. Just a little science there. Throw a little science out. I have something serious. Oh, boy. What you just said was, I mean, what you said... Uh, who do I think I am? That goes to the root of it for me. Absolutely. About 2005, God really started. I used to say that, that, that I didn't have a temper. What the truth was, it took a lot to make me show my temper. Because That I was already there. Yeah, right. So I would get mad. So God started working with me. And so I didn't show my temper much. Uh, and often when I did, it was in the privacy after everybody was gone. Then I'd hit the wall or. Right. Uh, throw a hatchet across the back of the yard or something. Nobody, sure. nobody heard. But God, what God said, point out to me that 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 my release of that anger with God was a sin, and it, and it's a temptation as much as any other of our temptations. Mm -hmm. Because at the moment, just like many other things, it feels good. Yes. But it, but it, it produces bad, and so and so I. I but it was a revelation for me. Yeah. And so there were some people that I went to and apologized, not for any specific act, because I've never hurt anybody, never cursed anybody. But I, I said, God said, your anger to temper is a sin because it's given into what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's how I approach this. And so. Yeah. Who so, do we think we are? Yeah. Jay, I think you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. And so if, if I'm angry at Lisa, if she matches me back in anger, it's just going to be inflammatory and we're going to, it's, going to, it's going to increase the intensity of the argument. But if she stays calm and a gentle word can break the bone, all of a sudden, by her graciousness, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7, right? All of a sudden it may dawn on me, you, you idiot, who do you think you are? Okay, you want, you want to push it just a little bit farther? Why do we need control? Because anger is a control move. Do you understand that? Psychologically, it's about control. I'm angry because I'm at risk. I don't like being vulnerable, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use anger to keep myself safe. That's what's going on. Why? What's going on? Yes. 
And so, so let's, let's get into John Powell's head. Why am I so afraid to tell you who I am? Sure. The deepest need for, for, of the human heart is intimacy with another human. And this has nothing to do with sexuality. It's intimacy of the heart. It's one of the most, the most important things that God has given us. In fact, Kathy, it's the very basis by which we, above all the created order, are the only ones, besides angels, that can have intimacy with God. We can walk with God. White-tailed deer can't do that. The local neighborhood cat can't do that. The trees don't do that. But we humans can literally have intimacy with God. Jesus said, I know I don't call you slaves, I call you friends. By the way, that's an off-the-chart curious thing that Jesus said. A savior, a God figure would never say that in Greco-Roman culture. Never say that. And yet our Savior says, hey, we're friends. That's amazing. So, so fear drives a lot of stuff. And because we're afraid, Michal, we get angry. And anger is our way of gaining control. And control is the drug that helps compensate for our problem with fear. It's really serious stuff. And when we give in to the temptation of anger, uh, it's like when we give in to the temptation of drink too much alcohol. The result is never, I'm sort of repeating myself. But the, no, no, yeah. I, we need, I, I misheard your question a while ago, I heard it wrong, but, but we also need the control to stop from moving to the bad result. We need to control <clears> ourselves. Yeah. We need yeah. to quit trying to control others. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's back for Bruce and Janice and the illustration. So if Janice does have a couple of boxes that really honestly they need to go to the Goodwill, okay, and she knows it and everybody knows it, what could, should Bruce say to Janet that might help resolve the problem so it's no longer an ongoing problem? What could... Get those out for you? Yes. Yes. Do you think Janice is busy as it is with grandbabies and all that she's doing? And Bruce says, hey, babe, can I carry those to Goodwill for you? And she goes, oh, I keep forgetting about those. Oh, yes, would you, would you mind? And Bruce says, sure, be glad to. Bruce throws in the back of the Jeep, pop, 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 done. No anger. Nobody's throwing Parmesan cheese across the room. It's just this beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, question. Uh, everybody turn to Mark 3. Mark 3. This is fun. Mark 3. Mark 3, look at verse 20. And he... Jesus came home, all right, catch the words, Jesus home, and the crowd gathered again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal, and when his own people, his own brothers, one translation, heard about this, they came out to take custody of him, for they were saying he's lost his senses. What's your translation on that? Who wants, who wants to control him? What does yours say, Lisa? You used to be brothers? Okay, peoples. Anybody else? Chris, Chris. 
Yes, sir, David. Uh, it says his family heard this. And his family. Okay, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Said, out of his mind. Thank you, David. Anybody something different than that? Relatives. Relatives. Is that what you said, Teresa? That's good. So, yeah. So, appreciate the moment. Okay. And there's some varying perspectives on how to translate Greek. And I promise you, sometimes it's super easy, and sometimes it is really, really hard. But what if those are his brothers, his family? What if that's true? Do you realize James is in that group? Do you realize James, if this is true, James thinks his older brother is crazy, losing his mind. Yeah, mine says he's out of his mind. Out of his mind. And at that point, James, who wrote this letter, may be getting pretty upset at him. Make sense? Okay. Look at uh, 3134 of chapter 3 again. What does it say? A little confrontation occurs. What happens? Turn it upside down. So do you realize that James is probably dispatched by Mary and some of the other brothers? To go get him, to bring him home. And it's like, hey, Jesus, mom said come home now. And And he goes, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And then he gestures to the crowd listening and says, this is mom. This is my brothers. Do you think that upset James? Yeah, in terms of Jewish family ethics and code and honor shame, what Jesus said is very rude. It really was. He's, he's turning culture on its head, which he's good at. He knows how to flip a table. Okay, all right. What about um, John 7, 5? That's a barn burner most of us skip over. What does it say? what if there was a lot more tension between Jesus and his younger siblings than we ever acknowledge and that James is one of those yeah. <laughs> um, so is it possible, Jay, that, that verse 20, now remember James picking up the pen and he's writing, okay? And he wrote, hey, we need to be quick to hear. We need to be slow to talk. We need to be slow to anger. You know what? Getting mad doesn't accomplish the stuff of God. I wonder if he was remembering the time he was not quick to hear, he was not quick to, or he was fast to speak, and he and Jesus had some exchanges, and there was some temper there, and he thought that he could get angry and leverage Jesus to get him to obey and do what mom said, and there's some tension between he and his brother. There's no explicit evidence for what I just said. 
but implicitly it's hinted in the text. Yeah. I wonder if James has a temper. I wonder. And if in his temper he thought that he was justified and that if he forced it, he could accomplish the will of God. So, okay. Let's, uh, let's turn to Luke's gospel. The Last Supper, Luke 22. I wanted you to, to just see a little bit of the, the bigger picture uh, from Luke's tradition. He says, I've eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. When he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. So you have the first cup in Luke's tradition. When he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is being given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you, this is the second cup, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to debate among themselves which one of them it was who was going to do this thing. And then in verse 24, this is like in the next breath, the guys start arguing. A dispute developed among them as to which one of them was regarded as being the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles domineer over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. Bruce, that's a, that's a patron. Remember we talked about patron-client, and the patron is always in authority? Okay. Uh, and that means domination. So they call them benefactors, but it is not this way for you. We don't relate on a, parent, uh, a patron-client dynamic anymore. Rather, the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at the table, is it? But I among you as the one, but I am among you as the one who serves. Wow. Jesus turned, turned it upside down again. So. Back to my little test when I chose not to text anybody just to see if, who the Lord would stir to give me some care. And it was a guy out of Northwest Arkansas who sent that poem. Do you realize that when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, what was going to happen within hours in the next day? Janice, what was going to happen to him? Absolutely. Do you think he could have used a text from a friend? you think? Just say, hey man, I'm hurting with you. Okay. Guess what? The youth group starts arguing on who's greatest. 
when Jesus needs, when he could benefit from the emotional support and encouragement of the people, he's trying to share heart. And he just lectured. If you look at Luke, John's gospel, he lectures. It's called the farewell discourse. John 13 to John 17. It's the greatest teaching in John's gospel. You, you know, it's amazing. And that chapter 15, I'm divine, you're the branches. We're one, it's beautiful, we're one. All this teaching, and he's about to die. <laughs> and they're going, I'm better than you are. I get the power chair, not you. No, I get the power chair. No, I do. Sounds like a Parmesan story, garage story. And then Jesus has to step in and correct the kids right before he's about to be falsely accused and arrested by the dude eating at the dinner table with him. He happens to have his hand right next to his at the dish. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, you're right, Anna Rose. You're right. Yeah, and Jesus even, you know, it's even said in Isaiah that a child, you know, can speak greater wisdom than an adult. Out of the mouth of babes. Yeah. So. All right, you're the body of Christ. James 1, 19, 21. Picked out some things, Luke 22. Anybody? Wisdom you want to share? I have a question. Yes, ma'am? So for those of us who tend to overachieve when it comes to talking. Okay. Which may or may not be me. I don't know. You can ask James. You have a friend. Okay, you're talking about a friend. Um, no, it, I mean, that, that whole thing you're talking about today, I really struggle with that because it tends to, yeah. Do you have any like helps or tips on how to how to kind of mix yeah. stop doing that? Do I just need to keep reading and remind myself of it or Yeah. I I would say, Kathy, first of all, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like regarding you and Jimmy, if you're an external verbal processor and you're thinking with your mouth going like this, you're just thinking, but your mouth's doing this. And if he's not upset about it, so, don't worry about it. Yeah. I think Jimmy's more than capable of saying, whoa, 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 Kathy, whoa, stop, whoa, stop. Oh, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's focus here. What, what are you saying? What are you saying? And, and let's, like, stop the word cloud, the word salad, it's nicknamed, and just tell me one thing. Just give me the tomato, not the whole salad, just the tomato. And, and you do, and you work it. Then it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, it's when there's difficulty and frustration that you've got to be careful. Yeah, so, um, but there's something beautiful about how it's tied up in Ephesians 4. Just speak the truth in love. Can we just do that? You know, just speak the truth in love. And it accomplishes tremendous things. Somebody else? How we might live this out? I'm going to 
James is very good marriage counseling. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Buckle up. It's gonna it's gonna go. So anybody else on this? James one? I know it's getting late. It's already seven. <clears throat> you guys have been so kind. Uh Tell you what, let me pray and we'll, we'll take the Lord's Supper. Abba, Father, thank you for your love and grace. And thank you that uh, you chose to, to be transparent and vulnerable and, and have intimacy with us. Knowing you're about to face the worst day of your life. And even then, you loved to the very end. Thank you for this grace. Please bless in Jesus' name, amen. When you're ready.